But I mean, for, um, for me, uh, it's just great to be out here today with, with men. Let me tell you where I was supposed to be today. Spud mentions football as being a part of my background. I was supposed to be, well, if I was a football manager about now, I would be delivering a team talk. And I really want to do that in some fashion with us here. But where I should have been today was at Windsor Park, uh, the Blue Dogs, Linfield versus the Reds of Cliftonville, doing a commentary for BBC. And when, when the producer phoned me to tell me that this was a game that I was designated to do, uh, I said, uh, look, I'm not able to do it. Can't do it. That happens to me quite a wee bit. Uh, recently, I've been, had to refuse games because we've been doing some stuff in ministry. And he said, well, why not? You're in the country, aren't you? And I said, well, I am, but uh, I'll be at a men's conference. Silence. Total silence to the extent that I said, are, are you still there? <laughs> Do you know, I, I say that by way of people outside of these walls don't actually get it. They don't get what we're about. They, I mean, they think, we're, they think we're weird. Do you know what? They're right. We, I mean, according to the Scriptures, we're, we're actually aliens. We don't really belong here. But it made me think, you know, what do people think about us? Who do people think we are? It was a question, actually, that if you, if you want to flick open in your Bible to Matthew 16, I want to refer to some Scriptures. It was actually a question that was first posed by Jesus Himself. He asked of the world to his disciples. He said to them, who do people, men, say I am? It's a brilliant question. If I could flip that question and just talk to you as an individual, who do people say you are? Maybe a supplementary question to the question is, who do you think you are? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, that you are what you think, as a man thinketh in his heart. And I want us to look at a man here. He's been referred to already through the, the, the morning. Who jumps in. I like him, Peter. I like Peter. He's impetuous Peter. He's unlearned. He's no academical degree behind him. But he's a man who's a heart to follow Jesus. Do you notice in Scripture, man, Jesus never calls us just to believe in him that he calls us to be followers. And I have a belief system that says to me, if in Northern Ireland we could convert believers in our churches on a Sunday to become followers, revival would break out. And that's what Jesus wants, but what's the mechanism that he uses? Look, look, look at Matthew 16. We're going to look at verses 13 through 18 just for this part of it. And I want this to be like a team talk. I would be on my feet just now if I was still involved in football management. And I'd be trying to rally the troops I'd be trying to tell our team that no matter what we're facing out there, we can win the game. We have a strategy. We've trained. We're prepared. We're ready to face the opposition. And the very interesting thing about where Jesus is writing this from, this has been written from a place called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea after Caesar. Philippi after Philip, the tetrarch, who was involved at this time. It's written as Jesus takes the disciples to this most heinous place, a place where pagan worship predominates. In fact, this place used to be called Panera. 
And it was, there was a God there called Pan. And that's where we get the word panic from. The people were quite literally in this area held in fear from the God Pan, who was actually the God of flocks and stuff. And so the people thought in order for them to prosper, they had to worship the God Pan. But the name of it's changed now to Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus takes the disciples, men like us, get this, men like us, no different than you and I. He takes them to this most heinous place. And if you can imagine in the theater of your mind, he's on top of the almost the enclave. And down below there's rocks like catacombs and honeycombs. And within the rocks, there's these tombs and there's these places that the pagans thought that the spirits of the departed could go back and forth from the underworld, back and forth, in and out. It was a frightening sort of a place. And it's no coincidence that Jesus takes them there because I think for us today, the relevance is this. We're going to have to go into some pretty difficult places. We're going to have to go there. So he starts this discourse with asking that question, who do people say I am? And the response from the disciples is this. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. Some the prophets. But then he turns to them and directly says to them, but who do you say that I am? You've been with me. You've seen me. People have an opinion of me, but who do you say that I am? Who jumps in? Peter. Peter, whose name Petros means stone. That's interesting. That's interesting. Because this conversation is going to flip in verse 18. And I'm going to give you the, what I think, the way I think this conversation went. But Peter jumps in and says, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. We learned this morning that Jesus is Son of Man. Matthew 16, 13 would be the quote for that, where he refers to himself as, who do people say I, the Son of Man, am? And John told us that 99.9% .9 of Jesus as the Son of Man, that that DNA is with us. He was perfectly 100% human. But now in his response, he's also proven that he's 100% God. It's not half God and half flesh. No, no. He was 100% as the Son of Man, human, tempted in like fashion such as we are, went through the same stuff that we have to go through. But he's now demonstrating that he's the Son of God because he says it like this, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. You see, nothing of the flesh could have revealed that to Peter. Peter, Petros, and the conversation flips like this, and I want to build this as a, a bit of a platform before I get on to saying what I really think God would have us to, to just contemplate in this session. It flips very, very easily because I think the conversation goes something like this, and if, I, if you would forgive me for adding a bit of emphasis, I think Jesus then looks at Peter and perhaps points to him and says, after saying flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, I think it goes something like this. You are Peter, Petros, the stone. But upon this rock, Petra, Petra, P-E-T-R-A, not a stone, upon this rock, I will build my church. 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I think there was a degree of Peter who was jumping in, Jesus knowing everything about everyone, knows that impetuous Peter is going to do things on his own strength. He's going to try to help God when it's not his time. And the emphasis is simple. Peter, you're a stone. You're part of this church, but you're not the church. Man, I want to say you are part of the church, but your denomination is not the church. Your denomination is just that. It's a denomination. Do you realize that in the world in which we live, there are an average of 22,000 Protestant denominations? Do you know if you read that verse in Matthew 16, 18, there is one church? Just one. There's not any more. God doesn't have plan B. It's us. And he's going to build. But I love this. I love the scriptures. In the scriptures are the power of God. That's what never to be ashamed of. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. But Jesus doesn't just leave us and say that you're the, he's the church. He's the building block. He's the chief cornerstone. Of course he is. But enter us into the fray. Peter, you and the rest of the disciples are part of this. But then if you were to read in verses like Ephesians 2 you would read that we are now described as being living stones. That the disciples who journeyed with Jesus, so man, you can't abdicate your responsibility. If you're a Christian here, you have a responsibility to stay connected to the chief cornerstone, to stay connected to the apostles and the prophets' teaching as recorded in Holy Scripture. Have you recognized that as well, that the Bible is a holy Bible? That we serve a holy God? And that he gave us, see, don't you just love Jesus that he would never leave you to your own devices? Who did he give us as a helper, not a doer? The Holy Spirit. So if you were to flick, don't flick, but if you were to flick to John 20 and you were to open your Bible at verses 21 and 22, you would read this. Jesus is still talking to this same group of people and he says this to them. The Bible records that he breathed on them. He says before that, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then it says this, that he breathed on them. The ruach, the breath of God. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit, we have abdicated responsibility from ourselves because we've been telling people, well, God will do it. God will do it. God will do it. But God's mechanism for doing it is us. We are the church. That's nearly a song I could sing. We are the church. I wonder does Dave know that? I should have got him to do that. But we are the church. So, man, how can we be the most effective? Think about, keep that verse. Remember Jesus said to the church, the early church, you shall receive power, dunamis, after which the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Where they were, Samaria, Judea, the outermost parts of the earth. We're going to have to leave here. Are we going to leave here today as witnesses? Are we going to leave here as effective witnesses of the gospel? Or are we just going to come and we're just going to maybe take in, get a bit of feed, think that was good, pat ourselves in the back, boast about where we were tomorrow in church? Oh, I was at a Christian conference yesterday. Oh, you might have went to the match, you heathen, but I went to a Christian conference. And we boast about that. But unless we get a touch from God, unless we really desire in our hearts, 
How can we make a difference? It's very simple. Can I use another, a similar analogy? The very first recorded miracle in Scripture is John chapter 2. The very last recorded words of the mother of Jesus is recorded in John 2 verse 5. And it's simply this. Whatever he says, pointing to her son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever he says, do it. So what does he say to the disciples? What did he say? He said, be filled. Do you know why he said, be filled? Did you go for food earlier on, and maybe some of you got a sandwich? Do you know how you recognized what was in the sandwich? By what it was filled with. Because what will come out of you and out of me is what we're filled with. So a simple question is, how? How? That first recorded miracle, very simple. Very, very simple. Jesus waited until the earthen vessels, which is a reference as well to us, earthen vessels. In the Old Testament, the temple was built with bricks, stones. In the New Testament, it's us. It's those living stones, 1 Peter chapter 2. Isn't that interesting that it's Peter who writes about living stones when Jesus referred to him as Petros, a stone, but not only to him. In case he got ideas above his station, in case he thought it was something to do, it was all about him. I'm the big fella. I can do this. Man, you can't. You can't make it on your own. You're no maverick Christian. You need to be connected to the chief cornerstone, to the rest of the stones, and to us. We all need to be together because we all need each other. Do we get that? I need you. I never sent a football team out with one player, two players, five players, seven players. Never did it. We sent them out with 11 players. Know the beauty about those 11 players? They had different positions they occupy. You have a position in Christ, but you will operate at the maximum of your potential if you are filled. Because only when those earthen vessels in John chapter 2 were filled to the brim, first of all, they were emptied of themselves. He did not mix the goodness with what was previously in there. We have to empty ourselves of ourselves in order that we might be filled. And do you notice in that scripture, in verses 7 and 8, when Jesus told them to draw out now, they were told to draw out. What was the result of drawing out after they were filled to the brim? There wasn't a, there wasn't a millimeter of space left. They were totally filled. John 2 verse 11 when the miracle was revealed to all, this beginning of miracles did Jesus do at Cana of Galilee, thus manifesting forth his glory. Man, God the Holy Spirit wants to live in you, but he doesn't want to cohabit. He wants all of you. He wants all of me. John got it right when John said it. He must increase. And then he told us how I must decrease. It has to be less of me and my old ways and the ways that Roy described that didn't work some things that never worked, yet we hold on to that and our, some of our denominations are failing. But the church, go back to Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I will, that's definite. Not he might, he could, he'll think about it. He said he will build his church and the gates of hell. And that was the gates of Hades that he pointed down to, told the men at Caesarea Philippi, see that what you're frightened of? That can't prevail against me. And then he goes on to say, and I'll give you the keys. All authority was given to him, and he gave it to you and me. 
So then my question is, what are we going to do about it? Do today you come and get replenished, but first of all, make sure you're empty of the things that are holding you back in order that you can be filled with the goodness of God. And then, who will people say you are? How will they know you? They'll know you by the goodness of God that comes from you. They'll know you by what leaks out of you. And then you see when you leak out, go and get filled again. I need filled every day. For my car to go on a journey, I need to put fuel in the tank as often as I decide to go on a journey. We need God, the Holy Spirit, to fill us, and He will if we ask Him. We are witnesses to these things, Acts 5.32. We're witnesses to these things. We are witnesses to the things of God. We can have as much of God as we, we want, but it comes with having less of us. So, man, who do people say you are? I don't know where your background is. I don't know, I know some of you. don't know all of you. don't know where you've come from. don't know what church with a small c that you belong to. But I know that collectively, together, we could make a difference. We could not just use words. You're not just fed up with words. Be doers and not hearers only. Jesus said in John 13, 17, if you know these things, blessed are ye who do them. That's our responsibility. Our gift back to God as part of His building. We are His workmanship. Created on Christ Jesus onto what? Good works. We're to go and do it. So men, can I challenge us today? Don't leave. If you, leave, if you come in partly filled, challenge yourself to leave filled. Challenge yourself to leave fooled overflowing. Because if you do, you'll leave a deposit no matter where you go. You'll leave and you'll leak Jesus. And that will make a difference in our world. So where would I rather be today? Talking a lot of nonsense. Somebody said to me once about football, Roy, how do you do those European games? How do you get all the names right on the radio? I said, how do you know they're right? And he fell out with me. He sort of, what? Do you make it up? No, I don't make it up. I just use the Walker phonetic alphabet. I'm an East Belfast man. I have a dialect. I know that. Praise the Lord for it. But man, I'm, I want to encourage us. We are the church. Why don't we live like it? Why don't we act like it? Why don't we determine no matter what people think about What does it matter what they think about us? Let's go and be the people God created us to be. His workmanship created unto good work so that people will see the goodness of God in us. Amen. Now, I did not want to get zapped. I know what happens. So I was so good. See, people think I talk too long and they'd be right. Can I pray before I finish? Would you allow me to pray? Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for the men that have gathered here today. I thank you that you drove them here. You've drawn us here. You've brought us here. But Lord, I pray that now that we are here, that we would be willing to be changed more into your likeness so that these earthen temples, these earthen bodies of ours would house the spirit of the living God without measure, that we would overflow into our communities where we go, so, Father, I'm asking again, would you breathe on us afresh? 
And may we be willing to receive the Holy Ghost. Father God, we thank you. Thank you that you're not finished with us. Thank you that you have a plan for every one of us. Thank you that you're going to use us. So may we stay strong together, connected to one another, setting aside our denominations and lifting up the name of Jesus so that we may leave here transformed by the renewing power of your word. We give you all the praise and all the honor. And Lord, my prayer is that in our lives, this beginning of miracles might start afresh so that we would manifest forth your glory. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.